Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 94. John and Wendy talk to David Miklas. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going tonight, John? Wendy, I am I am excellent. We are into the well into the holiday season. Yeah. Very, very excited that this episode is once again being sponsored by our friends at Bonusly. Thank you, Really Bonusly. appreciate having them on board. Absolutely. I want to give a quick shout out, Wendy. We talked a little bit about what we we're going to talk about before. Quick shout out to our friend and fellow podcaster, Jennifer McClure. Yes. So happy to see that Impact Makers <laughs> is back. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When she put out that little teaser a couple of weeks ago, I was I was just giddy, giddy with excitement. And uh, she and I had talked about it a little bit this summer when she was in South Dakota. And uh, so I was super excited to see her um, start out with such a fantastic episode where, you know, she's she's chatting with. Shoot, going to forget his name now. I thought I had it. Bruce Waller. Bruce Waller. Thank you. Um, about speaking and some of her advice that she gives to people. And there she's at. She's giving it out for free. Love it. Love this community. It was an excellent episode. Yes. And, and again, like you said, it's she was she did a little, hey, I'm coming back. And, and she was kind enough to give us a shout out there. Yep. But again, when I saw that that first episode with Bruce was out, I was really excited. So Jennifer, yep. welcome back. We're really glad so we know you were back. listening to us and we are, we really appreciate that too. But please know that we are among the first that are downloading and listening to your show oh, yeah. in kind. Definitely. Good, good times all around. <laughs> Always great to see the HR podcast community yep. coming strong and continue to do what, do what we're doing. I'm really excited about tonight's guest, Wendy. It's funny. David first, his name first came to us, or at least to me, when he wrote us a question for episode 50. <laughs> way back and, and didn't know David. And I believe he submitted a question via LinkedIn. I think it was. And it was, it was so cool because it was like, Hey, somebody that's listening, we don't know. Right. That's an employment attorney, no less. That's even better. <laughs> like that's excellent. So really fortunate that I had some, a chance to spend some time with David this summer at HR Florida and, and talk shop and really was, was glad that we had that time. And I said, Hey, I'd love to have you on. And so here we are, I'm going to stop gushing. I'll let you make the introduction and we will get started. Yeah, I am so excited to uh, talk with David tonight. He owns a labor and employment law firm, and for 20 years, he has practiced all types of labor and employment law exclusively representing Florida employers. He has written hundreds of employment law articles, is a frequent employment law presenter, and is nationally recognized speaker and an invited guest lecturer addressing employment law and human resource issues with over 30 universities, including Harvard. Mr. Miklas graduated from the University of Florida College of Law. David, welcome to the show. Again, so excited to have you here. Um, our first question is, what's in your glass? Well, uh, tonight it's just uh, vanilla Coke Zero. I still have to drive home. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We, we, we certainly are, are on board with that, David. Yes, for sure. <laughs> uh, it's an honor to be here. I, I, I've been looking forward to this. Well, again, we appreciate that. And I, you know, I have to ask though. You know, we had a chance to visit, like I said, in, in, a little earlier this summer. How exactly did you get focused on employment law in your career? Actually, I, I took a class in, in law school on employment discrimination and uh, did well and enjoyed it. And and then in between my second and third year of law school, I did a summer clerkship for two different uh, employment law firms, and I liked it a little bit more. And um, I met my wife, um, who was just a my girlfriend at the time in law school, but she graduated a semester ahead of me. So she got a job in, in this area, and I followed. 
Um, unfortunately, there's only one real employment lawyer in this area of Florida. So I got real lucky to get hired there. I started uh, updating their employment law book, and then I got hired on as an associate attorney with the firm, and it just exclusively represented employers in labor and employment matters. I became a partner, and then uh, when the managing partner retired three years ago, at that time, I decided to open my own law firm and just continue in this niche, and I've been doing it for 20 years now, and I love helping employers. Now, what is your wife practice, or is she practicing now? Yes, uh, she she used to be a, a prosecutor, and then um, when we had our twin daughters, she took some time off, and uh, when she went back to work, she decided to put her uh, psychology undergraduate degree to work, and uh, she now is uh, doing some family law, helping people that don't like each other get divorced. <laughs> I, I could never do that. I, I don't know how she does that, but it's it, she's able to do it. Wow. Probably have some interesting conversations at home. Uh, a, a little bit. I think she now appreciates me a little bit more than she used to when she hears all the horror stories. <laughs> yeah, and we probably all have those those moments when uh, you appreciate your spouse a little bit more. <laughs> but I can imagine in doing what she does. Yeah, you're not so bad, hun. Um, <laughs> so, David, what's the biggest issue you see your clients dealing with these days? Why do you think it's that issue, and how can they go about addressing it beforehand to avoid having to uh, contact you. Not that we want to put you out of sure. business, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, probably two different things um, in two different areas. One would be uh, screwing up a uh, wage and hour law. Some people don't realize this, but uh, the Southern District of Florida has led the country in FLSA lawsuits for about 15 years now. Uh, so the majority of employment lawsuits that we see down here in Central and South Florida, and it's been that way for a long time. Everything from misclassifying employees as independent contractors to misclassifying non-exempt hourly employees as exempt employees when they really aren't, uh, paying straight time for hours over 40, not paying when someone's working through lunch and they're an hourly non-exempt worker. The other big issue is employers screwing up handling uh, terminations and also investigations. And these types of things are, are so much easier to handle when when they get employment counsel involved before they take adverse employment action. And You'd be surprised. Some HR pros simply are in over their heads. They may be one of those people who wear uh, many hats. Probably are aware of some people like this where they're bookkeeper slash office manager slash HR slash secretary. And uh, you know what they say, jack of all trades, master of none. From my perspective, it's it's not really reasonable for a company owner to expect someone who has so many roles to be proficient in understanding the uh, complexities of labor and employment laws, much less keep up with the changes. So, so those types of folks make errors because of ignorance. It's not their fault, but they certainly do create legal liability for their organizations. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have experienced HR professionals, perhaps with certification initials after their name. And I've seen multiple examples um, when folks in that category fail to ask for guidance from employment lawyers uh, when they should, whether it's from arrogance or some other reason, it doesn't really matter. Uh, no matter how experienced an HR professional is with HR issues, they probably could use some guidance with complicated matters, such as the overlap between the FMLA and the ADA or the Pregnancy Discrimination Act's uh, prohibition on employers from uh, discriminatorily uh, denying uh, an accommodation to a pregnant employee um, that it provides to non-pregnant employees, which often arises in, in light-duty cases. Um, so I believe that a lot of HR pros don't want to call an employment lawyer 
because it costs money. Um, but what HR pros, and I say HR pros, but you know, whether they're the HR director or a generalist or whatever, but, but HR professionals, what they don't realize is that it's far less expen- expensive to pick up the phone and run something by an experienced employment attorney before they take adverse employment action, such as a demotion or a transfer or termination, um, than to, to take that action and receive a demand letter from a lawyer or a charge of discrimination from the EEOC or have the Department of Labor investigators show up with, uh, for surprise inspection. And, and, and don't, don't kid yourself. I make far more money litigating cases, but, but nobody likes um, having a, to pay a lawyer for one or two years of litigation. They would much prefer to be in and out, run something by a lawyer, maybe a 30-minute phone call. And, and I like my clients happy. I, I got plenty of work, and um, I, I'd rather have people uh, referring stuff to me because they're happy rather than um, you know litigating a case for, for many years that probably could have been avoided. David, I have to tell you that I, I have kind of a different track or tack to it, but I can't tell you how many times I have told management folks in, in, in a myriad of places I've been that you'd much rather be talking to me and help working with documentation, what have you, than it would be having the attorney come in after the fact when things have gone astray, uh, the stuff's hit the fan, however you want to put it, uh, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> that it's you're better off working with us and, and working with counsel beforehand yep. Absolutely, <laughs> as opposed and, to not. And, and, it, and, I, and I don't think a lot of uh, managers realize uh, th- there are a couple laws that, that they can actually be named as a defendant themselves. Not not all of them, but but there are a couple. But there, there's a huge time commitment that's involved when when you actually have a EEOC charge or or litigation where you know they have to be prepared for depositions. Uh, you know, testimony they have to be involved in gathering the documents. There's a huge amount of uh, resources and, and time that's involved when you have litigation. That I mean, at the end of the day, if you're pulled away from your work. You're going to have to do it later on, probably. So it's better to just avoid those situations if at all possible. Spend a little of money and time up front, and you're going to save yourself a lot down the road. Um, That's right. That's right. uh, That's right. And I think part of it, too, is that so often, at least in my experience, it's not happened to someone. So until it happens to them or they see it firsthand, they don't necessarily believe it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And I've had to tell people that before, too. I remember telling a manager... I'm going to say 20 years ago, early, early on, they wanted me to do something that was not the smartest thing to do. And they said, what do you think? And I said, I think when we're standing in front of the, uh, you know, standing in a court of law and I have to put my hand on the the good book or however they tell me the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you ain't going to like what I have to say. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) that was a, that was an entertaining conversation to say the least. Mm -hmm. Thankfully they, they did the right thing at the end, but I, Totally agree that, yeah, it's sometimes it, maybe it is an arrogance or, or again, hopefully it's more the lack of knowledge. And Well, it's tough. You know, if someone's been in HR for 15 years or so and, and you know, they're used to having all the answers um, and they're expected to have the answers. But, you know, there, there's going to be some times that they just don't have the answers sure. and, and they need to be able to go to, to their supervisors and have somewhat of a budget in order to call an employment lawyer if they don't already have one that they regularly work with. They should have some budget anyway for training and all that kind of stuff. And and there absolutely should be a budget um, for, for running things by legal counsel. We've talked about kind of what you see now or what's been going on. Let's get that crystal ball out as we approach 2020. What are you seeing on the horizon, you know, either locally there in Florida or even at the national level that you think HR professionals need to be getting prepared for? 
well, I know the podcast is is international, but um, I I try and always talk at, at the national level because most of these discrimination laws are, are at, in the federal uh, area anyway. Um, but obviously, the the change to the salary portion of the test for the white collar exemption under the FLSA is, is something that definitely is going to be on the horizon. It it kicks in uh, in January of 2020, and and by now all HR professionals should know the final rule uh, from the Department of Labor updates the earning thresholds that are necessary if you're going to classify someone as an exempt either executive or administrative or professional under the Fair Labor Standards Act uh, minimum wage and overtime requirements. It's always been easy to meet the salary threshold, you know, $455 a week, uh, but now that's getting bumped up to $684 a week. Um, so there's going to be some people that aren't making the $35,568 a year. Maybe they're making $32,000 or $30,000, and they're no longer going to meet the uh, salary portion of the exemption. So either they're going to have to get their salary increased or you're going to have to stop you know, uh, giving them so many uh, hours or else uh, start paying them overtime for it. So that's definitely one. And then um, also properly handling investigations. Um, now that we're in the post-Me uh, Too era, uh, I think – most organizations are seeing more uh, complaints of uh, harassment, especially uh, sex harassment. And um, at least the EEOC is is reporting that uh, an outcome of this is finally more training is taking place. I, I think a lot more organizations are uh, putting some money uh, to where it should have been. Um, and, and they're finally starting to train uh, at least their managers, if not their all their staff, at a more appropriate level. David, you do a bit of speaking across Florida. Um, in many formats, including um, Disrupt HR, which uh, is one of my favorite mm-hmm. formats. Love that. Uh, love the Disrupt. So do you believe that people have preconceived notions about attorneys that may not always be positive? And how do you go about winning them over? I, I've been fortunate enough to, to have been invited to speak at, at a few different uh, Disrupt uh, HR uh, formats. And it, it's it's a lot more challenging than your yeah, regular one-hour presentations. Uh <laughs> Uh, and actually I I prepare more for that five minute presentation than I do for an hour presentation, but I love it. And and yes, I, I, just so you know, there's rarely an employment lawyer invited to to go there. Um, So I've, I've always been appreciative if I am invited in this last year, I've given about 40 presentations, not, not all at HR, uh, disrupt HR, just a handful for that. I received pretty high ratings and the comments that, that I've been, uh, able to see reflect that the attendees really like my style. And I think that actually is something that's different from a lot of um, other employment lawyers. I tend to use ripped from the headline examples. Um, and I ask the audience to raise their hands and share what they think the answer would be, you know, before I give it to them. And w- w- what I've discovered is that about halfway through my presentations, nobody raises their hands anymore <laughs> because they, they usually, they usually have gotten a few different answers wrong and uh, they're a little bit embarrassed or, or more importantly, they're actually open to learning. And to me, that's the key. My goal is always to keep the audience engaged and feeling like their time is uh, being well spent. I always really appreciate every opportunity to present to uh, HR professionals. I know they have options. Um, I know they can pick and choose which sessions they attend. So I always respect their time and I want to give them value. Um, So a technique that I use is that if I see someone pulling out a phone during a presentation and checking their email or texting, I take a look at what slide is up and I make a mental note. And I actually delete it from my slide deck. Um, so basically in my head, I'm thinking something's wrong with that slide in my presentation because I lost that person. I, I'm always making tweaks to my presentations. Um, usually my presentations are uh, what's going to get you sued next year in employment law or this year. So 
I have a lot of slides, maybe a hundred <laughs> slides in an hour. And it's very easy for me to have a completely new slide deck from year after year after year, because I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news yeah. and, and you see someone getting, you know, doing something wrong. So it's very easy for me to um, put together new slides that aren't repetitive of, of whatever I've presented on before. Well, I would, I would caution you just to make sure that they might be sharing the information online. Just because they pull out their phone oh, doesn't yeah. mean that they're, you've completely lost them. Yeah, yeah no, no. And, and actually, I mean, anyone that's uh, spoken before will usually see someone in the audience taking a picture right. of the slides. And I always tell people, you know, just take a picture of my first slide where you have my email address um, and I'll make uh, the whole slide deck available to them. Because I'd rather them pay attention rather than scribbling down notes or, or taking pictures after every slide. Um, I'd rather have them, you know, trying to pay attention to, to the material mm -hmm. Um, and then they could have the whole thing later on because I know what, what, what HR professionals do, or at least what I hope they do is I hope they take these slides and, and they use some of them to train their managers. Right. I mean, that's really what they should be doing when they go to these presentations. If, if they find some good material, they should take it back to their organization and train their, their uh, managers. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast is being brought to you by our friends at Bonusly. Bonusly is a fun, personal recognition and rewards program that enriches company culture and improves employee engagement. Used by thousands of companies, Bonusly is a top-rated solution that integrates with popular collaboration tools like Slack and Microsoft Teams, as well as HR software, including ADP, Bamboo HR, and Namely. To learn more about employee recognition and to try Bonusly free for 60 days, go to bonus.ly slash hrsocialhour. Again, to get that 60-day trial, go to bonus.ly slash hrsocialhour. Thanks again to our friends at Bonusly, and now back to the show. And we are back. David, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. Who was your first professional mentor, and what was the most important thing you learned from them? Probably uh, my former law partner, David Richardson. He had forgotten more about employment law than I had learned. I tried to fit into his system when, when I ended up getting hired there and, and learned from him. And he taught me the value of uh, careful writing. Um, this is back um, in the late 90s before everyone fired off emails left and right or, or text messages. Employment lawyers that, that represent employers are often successful if they are able to, to write powerfully whether that's in responding to a demand letter from a plaintiff lawyer or in drafting a powerful position statement in an EEOC investigation or in, in legal briefing to win motion for summary judgment. So my mentor taught me um, that you don't lose trials that you never have. So, you know, if, if you can win a case in pre-litigation or early in litigation with motions, then that saves the client money and eliminates the risk of a jury trial. David, who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know? Probably Leslie Miserac in Orlando. She's a co-owner co of uh, Disrupt Orlando, and I believe a, a former Greater Orlando Sherm board member. And I actually met her at a Flow Rider concert at HR Florida last summer. Not everyone has a story like that, how they met someone. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. David, if you could go back to the start of your career, what's one piece of advice you would give yourself based on what you know now? Uh, I'd probably tell myself to make better use of networking opportunities. Um, I've found that, that people move organizations during their careers, and you never really know where someone's going to be low man or woman on the totem pole and, and where they will actually uh, eventually end up. So one of the things I've learned 
um, is that it's, it's best to, to try to be authentic and genuine and just be helpful to as many people as possible uh, because what goes around comes around. You know, I, I never ask for business. I never run advertisements, um, but I'm a busy lawyer. My phone's constantly ringing because I hope I'm bringing value to my connections and they remember me when they need help. David, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community or the, the legal community at large? Probably presenting at, at various HR conferences. Um, I speak at all over uh, Florida, even at national. Uh, I flew out to Vegas last summer and I speak even at student SHRM chapters. And, you know, they, they, they can't afford, you know, fancy hotels and all that kind of stuff. But I'll still drive and, uh, and, and present because I know I'm probably the only employment lawyer that they're ever uh, going to meet while they're in college. So I, I try to do that to give back and, and, and help, you know, expose them to, to some of this stuff that they may not have gotten in their courses. Awesome. That's really cool. What's your favorite movie? Probably Back to the Future. My, my brother and I... Uh, like that back in the early 80s, and uh, that, that, that's probably it. There's so many good quotes in there. How about your favorite musician or band? I'm a big fan of U2 and uh, a much lesser-known band uh, called Sister Hazel. Oh, I love Sister Hazel. Uh, Ken and Andrew actually uh, performed in Gainesville. That's where I was uh, uh, in school for, for eight years, and uh, they would perform uh, just acoustic sets uh, right across from campus. Um, I, I don't know. I've probably seen them 50 times. Oh. Um, and all, all 50 of those were before their first uh, single uh, was recorded. Um, and then I've seen them since then. But uh, yeah, it's, it's it's great great to watch a band come on up. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I saw them. I don't remember. They were opening for somebody at uh, Red Rocks out in Colorado. And if you ever get a chance to see a concert there, it is just phenomenal. But uh, I, I worked for a security company. And so I got mm -hmm. to see a lot of opening bands. And then, um, yeah, I, my shift was the early shift. But, yeah, I still remember seeing them, and that was just fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, that, that that's great. It, not many people uh, talk about that, but actually when I was in uh, undergrad, I, I worked security uh, at the University of Florida, and I got to see all kinds of bands, yeah. uh, the Rolling Stones, Morrissey. I mean, everything that came through during uh, about, about a four-year period, I, I was able to see. Yeah, that's a. Um, I've told my already told my daughters. I mean, that's a that's a good college job, good job for when you're in your early twenties. Need mm -hmm. to look for that. So awesome. Um, how about a favorite TV show? I'm a big Seinfeld fan. In fact, I did a a, a mock trial that was Seinfeld themed, and uh, one of the upcoming disrupt HRs uh, that I'm going to do is uh, how how Seinfeld can help uh, train managers. And um, I watched that back in in the mid uh, to late '90s when they first aired. And that was back when NBC coined the term must-see TV. You probably remember uh, uh, that they actually had a lineup of Seinfeld, Friends, and Frasier back-to-back. -back. And that's, yep. that's how they came up with must-see must TV because everyone was watching those shows. Dave, as I look at Connection, I have to tell you, if you're a U2 fan, you need to talk to Steve Brown. It's his favorite band. All Seinfeld, right. are you, now when, when, you do the, <laughs> when you do this with Disrupt, are you using the court case at the, like the, season, the series finale? No, okay. no, no. Yeah, no, actually, there, there's about four or five court cases. If you if you go back right. and you watch them all, there's you know Kramer suing yeah, the tobacco right. company. Yeah. I mean, it, there's all kinds of them. Well, the the you know, I guess the in my try to find the maybe the weirdest connection. So, Back to the Future. I've actually met Bob Gale, who was the writer. He really? when uh, doing my comic book stuff, we brought him to one of our shows. 
And wow. uh, we actually, the guy who is the promoter runs the comic book show owns a DeLorean. And, and wow. it is, That's well, cool. it, we have met out at the Richmond racetrack. So we had five DeLoreans racing on the track or, you know, going wow. around. Now, of course, the gag was get them up to 88. The one that my friend <laughs> owns, he only can get it up to about 35. <laughs> and oh. it is. Yeah, it's, I was going to say, I mean, there, there's not many of those around, and I, I don't know. I mean, you need special uh, folks to, to t- help take care of it, I think. It is a unwieldy beast, and I will leave it at that. <laughs> now, if you're not watching Back to the Future, if you're not listening to you 2 and Sister Hazel, if you're not watching Seinfeld, what else do you like to do outside of work? Um, I, I, I try to keep in shape. Uh, I used to do... Uh, extreme uh biking the bmx the flatland long time ago but now i just uh, go to the gym about six days a week otherwise I'm, I'm basically an uber driver for my twin daughters going to gymnastics and, and whatever else they they have me taking them to i think you're the first person to call yourself an uber driver i, I, like yeah, that. I was just gonna say that <laughs> oh we haven't had that one yet <laughs> so david finally if you weren't in employment law or in the legal profession what do you think you'd be doing professionally I probably would would be doing HR. Um, I, you know, this is I, I I'm always on the phone with HR professionals. Um, I'm helping to guide them. I have a good feel for what they go through all the time. I I like it. I, I mean, every day there's a new challenge, something new. I mean, y- y'all are like firefighters. I mean, you're putting out fires left and right, and and there's always something going on, and um, it keeps you uh, on your toes. Well, David, I think it's safe to say that. This is the first time I can't say I'm glad you're not doing what you're doing, because if you'd been in HR, we may have gotten to know you that way, too. I am glad, though, that you're doing what you're doing from the law side of things. And, uh, so, you know, again, really glad we've had some time to to spend together and, and really excited to see all the things that you do in the HR community at large. And I'm really glad that you sent that question for Episode 50 that we started this conversation sure. back then. Some of the listeners that are that are with us tonight, they may not know you. They're going to want to get in touch now. What's the best way for them to find you out there via social media? Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm trying to post, uh, you know, almost every day if I can. Um, otherwise, my my website, MicholasEmploymentLaw.com. It's my last name, Emerson Michael I K L A S. Um, and hopefully, uh, I'll, I'll catch you guys at, at a seminar or uh, some uh, Sherm event. We will have that all in the show notes for sure. Wendy, how about you? What about the listeners want to get in touch? What's the best way for them to find you out there? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. Daily is D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, you will find me on Twitter. Best way is uh, the fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time for our monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? First of all, I want to thank our friends at Bonusly once again for sponsoring the week's show. And if you want to reach me, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Top left-hand side of the screen, right at the top, three little lines, open them up. You'll see all my contact information up there. I'm going to ask again, if you're listening all the way to the end, you're probably not the person who needs to hear this, but please don't contact me about the show at my day job. <laughs> I really, really appreciate it. My boss appreciates that too. When you're there though, check out the show, download, listen, rate, review, share, anything you can do and everything you do to help us boost our signal. We really appreciate David. Thanks again for being with us. So for the HR social hour, half hour podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. 